This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well on Wednesday, the 26th of October. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. We start with our top story at Kent Online. A businessman has won a seven-year battle to close his scrapyard and open workshops on the Sheppey site instead. David Layton first applied to the council to end his car-breaking business at Monkey Farm in Sheerness back in 2015. It will now be used for startup businesses. Well, our reporter John Nerden joins me now with more on this. So, John, tell us what was he trying to achieve and how we've got to where we are now. Well, this has been Sheppey's very own scrap heap challenge. Uh, now, the days of uh, clambering over dirty old cars and vans in a muddy scrapyard, hunting for that elusive back brake light or the odd-looking switch, are sadly no more. Nowadays, if you want a spare part, you can go online and it comes to you the next day as if by magic. David Layton, who owns Monkey Farm Car Breakers at Sheerness, saw the writing of the wall back in October 2015 and decided to jack it in. Instead, he wanted to use his one acre of land to build 12 workshops and a nice clean showroom. But only now, seven years later, as he finally won planning permission. Why did it take so long for his plans to be approved and what's persuaded local bosses to allow it now? Well, unfortunately for Mr Layton, Monkey Farm, which he has run since 1990, is next to the Sheerness Canal, or to give it its proper name, the Queenborough Lines, which in 2012 were designated an ancient monument. That's because they were dug in 1859 to protect Sheerness from the marauding French uh, following the Napoleonic Wars. Now, suddenly, planning applications uh, for that became a tad more complicated. Um, He applied in 2015 and won outline planning permission and then had to go to the the planners with detailed ground contamination surveys, flood risk assessments, soil tests um, and a detailed heritage assessment, which cost him more than £25,000. And I gather the scrapyard was quite the eyesore. Yes, uh, even Mr Layton agrees that the scrap heap is a a bit of an eyesore. It's uh, ironically directly opposite a big welcome to Sheerness sign. And uh, so visitors are greeted with views of old cars perched on top of one another. And it's also right next to a holiday park. As 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 he says, it's um, not exactly in the right place. And there's an interesting story behind the name of the site, isn't there? Why Monkey Farm? Now, that's a really good question. Uh, No one seems to know, but of course there are a couple of theories. Uh, The name has been on the Ordnance Survey map since 1864. Now, some say it is where the Royal Navy's powder monkeys were billeted uh, while they were manning defences. Others believe it takes its name from a zoo which had cages of monkeys on the site. But to be honest, well, it's a bit of a monkey's puzzle. So what benefits is David hoping will come from the new development? Yes, well, to, to be honest, they, they look quite swish. Uh, there's a posh showroom, 12 business units, and there's parking for 43 vehicles and 10 bicycles. Uh, and also there's more, more jobs. He currently uh, employs three to four people on the scrapyard. And he says that with the units, uh, that could lead to another 30 to 100 new jobs 
on the island. According to him, it's a win-win situation. Thanks for that, John. Kent Online reports. Our other top stories today. An 82-year-old man has died after his car crashed into a fence near Dartford. Jerome Groves was driving a silver Toyota which left the carriageway on Green Street, Green Road between Darrenth and Longfield yesterday afternoon. An investigation is underway and his family have paid tribute, describing him as the loveliest and kindest man. Police are hunting the driver of a stolen car that flipped onto its roof near Rochester. It happened at a roundabout on the Medway City Estate in the early hours of this morning. The driver left before officers arrived and the vehicle was being checked over by experts to see if they can track down the culprit. A tentative woman has admitted making hoax bomb threats to high-profile targets in central London. Meredith Pallet made the malicious calls to the Shard, the Palace of Westminster, Conservative Party HQ and St Thomas's Hospital. The 51-year-old from Beacon Oak Road has been remanded in custody after appearing in court. And the ambulance service covering Kent has been told it requires improvement. Inspectors visited South East Coast Ambulance Trust in August and have just released the result of their findings. Nicola has the details for us. CQC say while staff on the front line were doing their utmost to provide safe and effective care, the quality had declined. That was blamed on an increase in staff sickness and delays in patients patients being handed over to them. The CQC's also raised concerns about how often restraint was used and if it was done safely. And while staff knew how to report such incidents, they didn't always do so. The Trust say they take the concerns very seriously and are committed to making improvements. Kent Online reports. Now it's been revealed that 96% of people who crossed the channel in small boats in 2021 are still waiting to have their asylum claim processed. 85% of those that have been dealt with were successfully granted refugee or protected status. Home Office staff have been giving evidence to a parliamentary committee. As figures show, 38,000 men, women and children have made the dangerous journey to Kent so far this year. Amreen Qureshi from the Institute for Public Policy Research is calling on the government to change its approach. As we've all seen in the past few years, uh, there's been a rise in the number of boats that have crossed the channel. And as a result, we have actually seen many tragedies at sea as well, where people have lost their lives um, trying to get to the UK. Um, But these tragedies are foreseeable and we think that this needs to mark a step change in the government's approach to people seeking asylum in the UK. The reality is the government's aggressive policies that are designed to deter people from coming into the UK, they're not working. And the diminishing of safe and legal routes has actually made it more difficult for people to reunite with their families in the UK. And actually then they're compelled to make that dangerous journey and put their life at risk. It's incredibly important for the Home Affairs Select Committee to look at the evidence at hand, because right at this moment in time, a lot of the policies that are being created within the Home Office, um, they're not looking at the evidence on the ground. They're not really digging deep into the reasons why people are crossing the channel. And instead, there are narratives that are being pushed like people are abusing the asylum system, which simply isn't true. What committees like the Home Affairs select committee could do is um, encourage the Home Office to rethink the way that they approach the channel crossings, to consider the fact that deterrence tactics do not work and will not work. And actually, if you establish safe and legal routes, it will reduce the number of people crossing the channel and then they can exercise their right to asylum and do that safely. It's more important now than ever for us to work with the EU more closely because we're no longer part of the common European asylum system, um, which was a system where people, for example, 
um, kids that are based in Calais, they were able to use EU law to safely enter the UK and reunite with their families. Now that that route has gone because we have left the EU. So it's more important now than ever for us to have bilateral talks with France or better our relationships with France and with other European countries um, to make sure that um, we're establishing safe and legal routes and you know reasonable ways for people to come to the UK to um, exercise their right to asylum. Concerns have also been raised about the short-term holding facility in Thalit. Home Office official says they're dealing with a very difficult situation at the site, which was designed to hold no more than 1,600 people for a maximum of 24 hours each. Well, it's emerged capacity has now nearly doubled to 3,000, and some asylum seekers have been kept there for up to a month. The government's clandestine channel threat commander, Dano Mahoney, has been questioned by MP Stuart MacDonald about some of the issues. The Manston model relies on outflow and our ability to move people out of Manston quickly, either into detention or into asylum accommodation, asylum accommodation being in, in the main hotels. Um, and as the year went on, it became increasingly difficult to move people off the site Um, And we've had to increase the capacity of the site and then necessarily the length of time that people have been on the site um, because we haven't been able to move them out uh, into asylum accommodation as quickly as we would have wanted to. In terms of the dangers there, there's reports for a start of an outbreak of diphtheria, which is obviously highly contagious and potentially very dangerous, possibly fatal uh, disease. Um, I mean, that's catastrophic potentially. Is this correct? How many cases have been identified? Uh, so I, I wouldn't describe it as an out, outbreak. We've got a very large population at Manston and we have um, very good health provision there. We have 24-7 coverage from paramedics and we also have doctors on the site uh, every day. Um, there have been a very small number of cases of diphtheria, very small, you know, less, low single figures. Um, and and some other health issues, but they're being dealt with very expeditiously and uh, and expertly by our medical teams on the ground. This seems incredibly worrying, but you're saying to us that you're confident that this is under control and there won't be a wider outbreak? So what I'm I'm saying is it's an incredibly challenging situation. Mm. What more would Uh, you like to see done? I mean, if the Home Secretary was able to do something about this, what would be top of your list of suggestions to him? we're working as a department and across government to find accommodation to move people in to as, as quickly as possible. Well, it comes as Rishi Sunak has been defending reappointing Suella Braverman as Home Secretary as he faced the comments for the first time as Prime Minister. She was forced to resign just a week ago after sending an official document from a personal email account. Mr Sunak says she made a mistake. She raised the matter and she accepted her mistake. And that's why... That's why I was delighted to welcome back into a united cabinet that brings experience and stability to the heart of government. He also rejected calls for a general election, insisting his mandate is based on the Tory manifesto from 2019. These people in Dartford gave their reaction to his first performance as PM. Here we have a man who knows exactly what he wants to do. How can you, like, ridicule a guy because he's earned... Money doesn't suffer his judgment to run the country. He's someone who clearly, from what we saw earlier, 
understands what needs to be done. And a good example is the, is the furlough scheme. Haversham and Mid-Kent MP Helen Waitley worked alongside Mr Sunak in the Treasury and thinks he'll be able to unite the country and the party. She spoke to Sophia Aiken from our colleagues at Came TV outside Westminster last night. I saw the skills and the judgment that he brings to the job. I saw his grip of the economy, his understanding of the economy, his prioritising fiscal responsibility, which you know, so clearly is something that you can't underestimate. I saw also saw his integrity, his decency, his compassion. I think all of those things are the qualities that make him the right person now to be our Prime Minister in actually really difficult times. And I've got constituents writing to me worried about the cost of living, worried about mortgages, worried about bills. But we really need a time of stability and actually real grip of the economy. And uh, of course you you've yourself have had a few uh, junior minister roles previously. Are you hoping for a cabinet position yourself? Uh, for me this isn't at all about a job. This is about what is the right thing for my constituents and the right thing for the country. As I've said, uh, we need to have a steady hand steering the economy. I know Rishi Sunak brings that an approach of compassion, supporting the most vulnerable through hard times and business, just as he did in the COVID pandemic, where we saw he put in place a furlough scheme and support for businesses that really stood us in good stead coming out of the pandemic. Tough times ahead and we just need that steady hand. Uh, do you think he'll be good for Kent and particularly your constituency? We know now that uh, Stella Braverman is returning to home office. What does this mean for Fanfashion, uh, particularly in terms of uh, migrant crossings? How do you think she'll tackle this? You're right. So the question about the control of borders and migrant crossings is an issue in Kent, particularly those most coastal ones, but you know, we're affected across the whole county. Uh, I know Rishi Sunak's committed to control the borders. He obviously campaigned for Brexit during the referendum as well. Uh, and he, as you say, has reappointed Suella Braverman as Home Secretary. So I'm sure that control of immigration is going to be one of his priorities. In fact, as he mentioned on the steps of Downing Street when he talked about a set of things, including the NHS, uh, schools, uh, the economy, levelling up indeed, and, and borders and safer streets. And uh, also, what do you think your constituents want to see from, from Rishi Sunak? What do you think they're hoping for? Well, the thing I've heard most from my constituents in recent days is you know, wanting stability, uh, wanting to see government getting on with the job. We need to get on with the job of delivering the 2019 manifesto. Clearly, you know, the, we had the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine. There's still a lot to do to deliver that manifesto. And most importantly, the economy, whether that's people running businesses, wanting uh, stability, whether it's people worried about paying their mortgages, worried about bills and the cost of living. The energy announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago actually was really important. There's already been substantial support put in to help people with the cost of living, but we know they're tough times ahead and people want reassurance on that. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The Kent Online podcast been getting an update on work being done to secure water supplies to the Isle of Sheppey. You might remember 40,000 residents and businesses were left without supplies on the hottest days of the summer when pipes to the island burst. Well, three months on, a £3 million operation is underway to lay two new vital supply pipes. John's been speaking to Katie Taylor from Southern Water to find out more. This is in response to um, in the summer where we unfortunately lost water supply to the island for two days. Um, and that's because we only had two pipes, both of which burst due to additional demand and, and dry weather cracking some of the soil around those pipes. 
So in order to make sure that that doesn't happen again and to improve resilience across to the island, we're putting these new two new pipes in, both nice plastic pipes rather than metal pipes that can corrode. Um, and so we're hoping that that means that, that, that we are really making sure that the residents and the customers on the Isle of Sheppey have a, have a water supply for the future that is exactly what they expect. What are you doing to the two original pipes? So, um, so the one original pipe has been fixed and is the one that the, the residents of Sheppey are using at the moment. Um, the other pipe, which is still broken, um, is being um, uh, having a smaller pipe put through the middle of it because it's a very difficult one to actually replace. So that means that we will have all four done within the next few months. And the one that's having a pipe put through it, is that the one that goes over the Kingsferry Bridge or under the swale? It's the one that's on the bridge. So, so how has this affected the community? So the community really came together um, at the time uh, in the summer when this happened. So as a way of saying thank you, um, we've given £30,000 to a variety of, of charities on the island to say thank you and to support the activities they're doing. So the RNLI being a really good example. And um, we also gave some money towards the local authority for all the support that they gave us at the time. So really just wanted to say thank you to all the residents and the community who helped us. And Peter Simmons is the senior project manager. We are um, looking to install two 450mm diameter water mains underneath the swale to the Isle of Sheppey. Um, the machine you see behind me is a horizontal directional drilling rig. Um, it's drilling at the moment a 10 inch bore from this side to the Isle of Sheppey. Um, this 10 inch hole will need to be reamed up to be made larger through a number of passes. Um, so we can pull eventually in the 450mm diameter plastic pipe that's currently welded up and strung out on the Isle of Sheppey. What's the type of um, material like underneath the swale? The ground from the, the boreholes um, shows very silty clays with mixtures of peat, with um, humatic matter in them, there's gravels, um, and there's some very stiff London clay as well in there. Um, it, it's what we're expecting from our investigationary boreholes. Did you tell me about a fossilised forest or something? Yeah, we, we found roots um, in the boreholes that was for some sort of trees forest from um, yeah, prehistoric times, we assume. It should be finished by the end of the year, and you can see pictures and video of their progress at Kent Online. Elsewhere, it's been revealed the council covering Kent came close to being conned out of more than a million pounds by a hacker. A report detailed how an email hack to a senior officer attempted to defraud the authority, but was prevented. However, £600,000 has been lost due to fraud and error over the last six months. Just some of that cash has been recovered. Meanwhile, new data has revealed Medway is the most complained about authority in Kent. The stats are from the local government ombudsman and show the number of grievances lodged between March 2016 and the same month this year. Tunbridge and Morling received the fewest complaints. You can find out the stats for your local council in the story on our website. A popular Christmas market in Folkestone is going to almost double in size. It's been revealed it will launch on the Harbour Arm on November 19th and run each weekend until Christmas Eve. Also say it's all about supporting small independent businesses with 35 selling their produce this time around. And Kent's first Tim Hortons restaurant has opened today. The Canadian company's launched its new coffee shop and drive through at the former Pizza Hut unit on the Imperial Retail Park in Gravesend. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham have been beaten 2-0 by Leighton Orient in League Two. Both goals came in the second half as the Jules travelled to take on the team at the top of the table. Boss Neil Harris spoke to us after the match. Firstly, I'd like to thank the fans 
for their input tonight. I thought it was magnificent. Um, deserved more. Deserved more than a defeat. Um, first half thought it was outstanding. Uh, we changed shape. Uh, we had a game plan. We nullified them. Uh, we was excellent uh, without the ball. Uh, we was good with the ball. Uh, we should have been in front. And again, just ain't scored, have we? So just the frustration for me as a manager that I can't sign the players that I wanted in the summer. Um, it comes back to bite us again and then two really poor goals to give away so um, as you can tell I'm fuming um, on the back of the first half to concede goals like we did not acceptable don't get me wrong or in the top of the league for a reason you saw them tonight they're a bloody good team and excellent experience defensively um, and top end of the pitch they've got game changers they've got players that, that can beat you 1v1 and, and, and put the ball in the back of them and that's why they're top of the league you know the good thing is we're playing the best team in the league one of the best defensive records and we've made chances um, I can't fault the players effort and the fans stay to clap them off the pitch because the effort they put in but we just we give two poor goals away you, you come to play top of the league away from home you can't be that good for 45 minutes and then give two really poor goals away. And when your chances come, you have to be ruthless. You know, it's a clinical nature. I keep talking about being better at the top end of the pitch and we scored six goals, uh, six games in a row and, and seven games unbeaten. That's brilliant. When you come to the top of the league, you have to be even better. For 45 minutes we were and then we fell apart second half and we give two poor goals away. It's not acceptable. I don't want to, I don't want to sound damning on, on, on my group because I'm not I'm, you know, really proud of the first half performance. But if I want to drive standards to be better, then I need better in the second half. Gillingham have now slipped down to 20th, just three points above the relegation zone. Next up is a trip to Doncaster Rovers on Saturday. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.